long time ago. It sure was. And uh, I have had the privilege of just uh, sharing some great memories from the past. Every time I come out here, I do, because it's, I think the first time I came to the Kansas City area was back in the 70s. Some of you weren't even born back then. Many of you probably weren't born then. But I came, I think, for a youth camp for Kansas City Baptist Temple and uh, developed a friendship and relationship with a lot of the folks at Kansas City. And for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe they liked me or maybe I gave out lots of gifts and had a lot of money and bought friends and whatever. During that time, I got invited back time and time again. And uh, I think I went to Old McDonald's Farm every year. And it seems like we started back somewhere in the 80s and ended in the mid-90s when we walked away from that place. I wonder if it's still in existence, but we had some wonderful, wonderful times. Times like we're having right now at this camp. Now, there are some differences, some notable differences. Uh, one of them that I greatly appreciate is called air conditioning. <laughs> air conditioning. Old McDonald's Farm was not air conditioned, and in, imagine being outside for this whole conference and not finding any respite except in a backyard swimming pool. There was a swimming pool there at that camp, but it was no bigger than someone's backyard swimming pool. And to get 150 people in there, the water was about 105 degrees in the swimming pool. So there wasn't a lot of rest, but it was a, it was a great, great time in those years. So I am honored to be back here again. Let me just say something about your Bible Institute, too. I don't know why you wouldn't. If you have the time, if you have... Um, the availability, if you can get there somehow, rearrange your schedule, uh, come up with a few dollars, you ought to be, you always ought to be learning the Bible. You always should be learning the Bible. That's not something that, you know, you do for two years and then you got it down. In the next 40 years, you kind of float from ministry to ministry to ministry. The goal is to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be ready to give an answer to every man. Somebody comes up to you and asks you the question, why do you believe what you believe? A good answer is not, well, because Sam told me, or because Alan told me. Why do you believe what you believe? It's one thing to know what you believe, and that is important. That's where it starts. But why do you believe that? What's the motivation behind that? And can you then articulate what you believe in a coherent way to someone else and tell them why you believe it and communicate that so at least they can understand that? That's what your Bible Institute is all about, helping you to grow, helping you to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now... Mark is uh, talking about um, the crucified life, although that was used, the term was just used a couple times. When I was asked to be, uh, to come out and speak here, and Mark and I spoke about this probably before he went to Malawi, we talked about how we would strategize and what we would do here. We use that term, the crucified life, and basically what that is, is Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When we talk about the crucified life, you can't get around Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, and several of the verses that Mark used last night. And uh, we talked last night after the service, and I asked him, where are you going to go tomorrow night in some of the passages that he will use again tonight? So we're talking about, you know, how do we really submit ourselves to the leadership and the control of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives? You know, we are saved by the grace of God, we're kept by the grace of God, and we serve by the grace of God. Do you understand that? Sometimes what we do is, and I have a Roman Catholic background, so I was very heavily works-oriented as a young man. I had, the, uh, I had all parochial education. 
that is Catholic school education. As a young man, I decided that, I was, that uh, God was calling me to be a Catholic priest. So I went to a Catholic seminary for four and a half years and got even deeper into my religion, my Catholicism. But Catholicism, to me, at least it came across to me, and if you share my history, probably you also, it was very works-oriented. Salvation came by Christ dying on the cross plus whatever efforts I could do to make up the difference and when I died, and I would, I believed I would, that I would have a chance to go to heaven after I spent 800 years in purgatory and burned off the residual value of the sins that I had committed in my life. Now, that's how I grew up. Maybe you're a Catholic today, and you didn't grow up that way. Uh, you're younger than I am, and things have changed over the years there's a lot of controversy even among Catholics today because there are so many Bible believers and so many Bible studies and so many Bible radio programs and TV programs. Catholics are getting confused about their Catholicism, and that's a good thing because it makes them stop and rethink not only what they believe, but for you and I, why we believe what we believe. We need to know the answers to that. So we're talking about how do we understand what the Bible says about being saved by grace, that is the unmerited favor of God, and kept by grace, the unmerited favor of God. I don't now have to, I don't have to work my way, or I don't have to check some boxes to stay saved now. Some people interpret scripture that way. I do not believe that's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that you're saved by grace through faith. The Bible teaches that you're kept by grace through faith. And the Bible also teaches, and this is where we're going with this crucified life thing, is that we serve by grace through faith. This isn't based, our service and what we do as Christians, isn't based on our human fleshly Efforts. Now, you know the Bible teaches that. In fact, the chapter that follows the quotation of Galatians chapter 2.20 is probably chapter 3 of Galatians is the chapter that outlines this point uh, and gets very specific about what all of that means. Now, what I'm going to share with you this morning is really, and tomorrow and the next day, is a very small portion of a series of messages that I did some time ago. So if you see a quotation or see a date in the next two or three years and you're wondering, you know, when did he... It may be last century. Actually, it was about five or six years ago that I preached this series of messages on this subject. And what I did is I used the term, I live. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. And then what I did is I came up with kind of a wheel of life, and you'll see that, that looked at all the major components of life, and I took Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, and applied it to every major area of my life, like my financial life, my family life, my vocational life, my recreational life, etc., etc. So you see physical fitness, intellectual, spiritual. You see those different things on uh, the uh, display before you today. So I'm not going to do this whole series. It would take me many hours to do it, but I, but I just want to uh, keep within the parameters, the boundaries of what we're talking about here, talking about the crucified life. We're not going to talk about every area of your life. So if you have a Bible, go to the book of Galatians in chapter number 2, Galatians chapter 2, and I want you to see what I've already quoted, and I want you to see the context of that. Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20, and while you're turning there, let me pray. Father, we're grateful for Jesus and grateful for the opportunity to come together this morning. Lord, it's a privilege anytime to read your word, to share the word of God with other people, to have an opportunity to influence and encourage people for the glory of God and for your kingdom. So, Lord, I pray that you'll take this time that we're together here in this auditorium at this camp, and, Lord, that we would use it wisely for your honor and for your glory, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Last night, while Mark was speaking, 
I wrote this down. I got my little composition book. I don't know if you have one of these. This is the first thing I wrote down. As he started last night and listened to his introductory comments, I wrote, and I quote me, God will give you what you are ready to receive. Now, I want you to think about that because what you get out of this camp really isn't up to me. It's not up to Sam. It's not up to Alan, any of the pastors. It's not up to Mark. What you get is based on your willingness to receive the word of God and what is said. That's important. Because some of you will walk away from this. I've been to a lot of these camps. Some of you will walk away and you'll say, you know, yeah, it was okay, but, you know, I didn't hear anything I hadn't heard before, and I really didn't get a whole lot out of it. Well, that's your fault. Don't blame me. Don't blame me. Don't blame God. Don't blame the Bible for that. What do you want? Why did you come here? What is your purpose for being here? Why are you here? Are you willing to receive what God has for you? And I've learned this over the years, that um, different people receive different messages in different ways. Some of you are going to hear something I say, and it's just going to ring your gong. And you're going to say, man, I never heard that. Boy, that really hit me here. I see that. I've never seen that before. And other people, it'll just kind of, bing, bounce off you. But somebody else will get something else out of this. There's something in this week for everybody, and it's up to you. Are you willing? God has abundant grace. God is willing to shower that grace down on you, his wisdom, his knowledge. But it's up to you to be willing to receive it. See, you have something, the most dangerous thing in all of the universe. That's called a free will. And you can say, no, I don't want it. I'm not going to receive it. And you can put up obstacles and excuses before the grace and the word of God that's coming to you. You can say no and walk out of here in three days and get nothing out of it. You can do that. That's your choice. You can resist. So I'm going to ask you right now to think about that. I'm going to ask you, if you haven't thought about that, to think about that right now. What do you want are you willing to receive? Are you willing to take something from here that's going to make you a different person when you go home? That's up to you. I can try to encourage you. I can ask you the question. I can try to influence you, but I can't make the decision for you. I have to make those decisions for myself. God has given you, as he has given me, a free will. So Galatians chapter 2, if you notice there, if you, go, if you go back earlier in the chapter, and uh, the, the key issue, if I can kind of narrow in on this, in verse 11 says this of chapter number 2. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I, speaking Paul, withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were Jews of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him. They were playing, they were faking, they were frauds. They were afraid that they would be criticized for abandoning the law because they had become Christians, and now they were going to be criticized. So they pretended, they hypocritically pretended that they still believed what they had believed before so that they wouldn't have to take any heat from their Jewish brethren. That's what's going on. And other Jews dissembled likewise with him insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation, their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel... I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? You're being a hypocrite. You don't live that way, but you're asking them by your example to live that way. We, who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, 
knowing, and this is one of the greatest verses in the New Testament, that a man is not justified, he is not cleared of his sin before God by the works of the law, by keeping the Ten Commandments and all of the other things that go along with that, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. You are saved by grace through faith. That's Ephesians chapter 2, 8, 9. And then we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That's the unto that Mark was talking about. We don't serve God because he died for our sins and so we're doing him a favor back and trying to make things even. We serve unto, unto him. We, uh, according to chapter 2, verse 10 of Ephesians, we are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So it's his life living in my life, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, that then ministers to other people. I am to yield my members as instruments of righteousness unto God. That's Romans chapter 6, verse 13. I am to reckon myself dead unto sin and alive unto God. That's Romans chapter 6, verse number 11. This is all the crucified life. Romans chapter 6, verse 6 says that the old man is crucified. Now I'm a new man. I died with Christ on the cross. This is spiritually speaking. I didn't physically die on the cross with him. You're not lost here, are you? Spiritually, when Christ died on the cross, I died. And I was buried. We have what some people call a sacrament of baptism or an ordinance of baptism. And basically what baptism does is shows that that I died with Christ. I was crucified with Christ. I died with Christ, and I was risen with Christ. The old man was crucified. Now I am risen, Romans chapter 6, verse 4, that I might walk in newness of life. I am to live like the resurrected Christ. Death has no more, and sin has no more dominion over me. I am free. I am living a resurrected life as Christ lived a resurrected life. I'm not under the law. I live under grace. And it's the grace of God that fills me and empowers me so I might live unto him, not for him. So let's go back. Look at Galatians chapter 2 again. Verse 16 says, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law... And let me just plug in there by uh, going to church on Sunday, by reading your Bible every day, by going on visitation, by working in the children's ministry, by singing on the worship team. Those are works. You're not justified by doing those things. Those ought to be the result of Christ in you, the hope of glory. They ought to be Christ working in and through you to get in the word of God, to serve in the nursery, to sing in the choir or the praise team or whatever it is. Christ working through you. But by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. You're not justified by doing. You're justified by believing, by faith. That's what he's saying. He's trying to straighten out an error that was going on in the early church. They didn't really have this straightened out as many of you do. And maybe they were confused, like some of you may be right now. And uh, that leads to what we call legalism, where we think being a good Christian is by doing as opposed to yielding or submitting to the power of God in our lives. Do you understand the difference between that, between the two? Allowing Christ to live his life through you. Now, how do you do that? You do that by faith. Oh, faith. Oh, that's wonderful. Where, Where does faith come from? Does anybody know? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know where the grace of God comes regularly every day in your life? By taking this book and taking a big drink out of it every day of your life. 
allowing God to speak into your soul his truth and his word, and he fills you with his spirit and empowers you with his spirit to do. It's not your flesh going, ah, I gotta get up, it's Sunday morning, I gotta go to church. Well, if I don't show up, they'll know that I'm not there and the pastor will say, where were you Sunday morning? So we end up doing much of what we do because we're afraid of what somebody else will say. That's the problem in Galatians chapter 2. Peter was afraid what somebody else would say about his lack of performing as an Orthodox Jew. He was concerned about what other people thought. And that's what a lot of legalistic Christianity is all about. You're worried about what somebody else thinks about you. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be concerned. I mean, there's a truth in that. I mean, who's pure? Who does everything he or she does out of a pure motive and a love for God? There's always something in it for us, isn't there? Yeah, you don't know how to answer that, do you? There is always something. God says he will bless you. God tells us that there's blessings for living in holiness and a righteous life. He knows that. He says that because he knows that we are human beings. We need a little motivation. We need something out in front of us. What do you you think the judgment seat of Christ is all about? If that wasn't important, the judgment seat of Christ wasn't important, there wouldn't be anything said out there. But there's something out in front of us, a place where we're going to have to give a report or we will be reported upon, and there are blessings as a result of having a good experience at the judgment seat of Christ. We are human beings. We get motivated. How about this? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's the end of the verse. Is that the end of the verse? It's not the end of the verse. There's a second half. That's the condition. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, go back to Matthew chapter 6 and see what those things are, shall be added unto you. So God is motivating us. Put me first and watch what happens. Now, That appeals to our flesh. But when you, in time, grow in the grace and knowledge and purify yourself, you you do more and more out of a love for God than a love for self. Some of you here, some of you are here just for you. Some of you came here because your buddy's coming here. Some of you are here because your girlfriend was coming. You didn't come here because you want to hear from God. Now, I'm not criticizing you. I'm just showing you our human nature. And then some of you, maybe one or two of you or five of you are here because you're really here. You don't care what you hear from the word of God. You have already submitted. I will do it. By the grace of God, fill me with your grace. Fill me with your word. Give me the power of God in my life and I will allow the life of Christ to live through me and I will accomplish or do whatever you want me to do. Is that what you want to do? (laughs) Don't you wish we were all there, Sam? There might be two or three of us there and most of us some, some way in between. We came here for our girlfriend or boyfriend or we were threatened, intimidated by somebody. If you don't go, I'll never speak to you again, you know, whatever it is. But I'm glad you're here for whatever the reason. We all just want to take a step forward, don't we? Now, we're continuing here. Look at verse number 17. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I... Through the law, am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I am dead to the law. See, the law has no effect over me when I die. Do you understand that? Uh, The speed limit out here, I think, says 35 miles an hour. I'm riding by in a hearse, in the back end, in the box. It has nothing to do to me. It has nothing to say with me or to me. That sign is meaningless. I'm not under the law of the speed limit. 
I'm dead in the back of the box. I am not going to be arrested. You, you, you corpse. You, no, I'm dead to the law. That's what, he's, that's what he's saying. I'm dead to the law. The law has no more dominion over me. Why? Because I'm crucified with Christ. I died with Christ. I was buried with Christ. The law has no more dominion over me. Now I am resurrected with Christ and I walk in newness of life. I am not under the law. I am under the spirit, the grace of God. Every day I live under the grace of God. I have the grace of God poured out on me and allow the Spirit of God, the grace of God, by faith to allow Christ's life to live through me. That's what we're talking about here. Now, this isn't easy. <laughs> it may be easy to understand when you wake up tomorrow morning, it'll be a new day. It will be a new day. And that's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, hang in there now, I die daily. Sam gave us an invitation last night, you know, after listening to Mark's message, and, you know, who wants to come on board? You've heard something. And I raised my hand at the invitation, and rightly so. I raise my hand at every invitation. Now, I don't do that just because I'm making a mockery of the invitation, because there's something wrong with me all the time that needs to be fixed. But I know this. Last night, when Sam asked that question, my hand was up. I said yes, but I knew this. When I got up this morning, I got to ask myself the question again, because I die daily. This isn't easy. You have to die every day, sometimes many times a day. What does that mean? That means to put yourself aside and put God first in your life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, let's see, I got 37 slides. That's my first one. No. <laughs> I'm going to zip through these. I'm going to get back into Galatians here in a moment. I just want you to see what I've written here. This is a, this is a little chart that I put together on this to show you the progression of this. On the, on the left-hand side of the chart is a lost person, and I'm dead. Uh, well, I'm alive to the law, so consequently the wages of sin is death, okay? That's the left-hand column, and these are all scriptural passages that essentially state that. Now I'm moving to the right. I, I, I can't see this as well. I'm going to come down here. All right. I'm crucified with Christ. That's this column here. I am crucified. I'm dead with him. Nevertheless, I get up this morning and looked in the mirror. I'm still alive. I live. Now I live because I have a new birth. I was dead, but I got a new birth now. I was born again in 1972. And I am risen with Christ, Romans chapter 6. So the law has no more dominion over me. I am died with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But I live because Christ liveth in me. This is not commitment. This is transformation. Transformation. I am becoming more Christ-like. Now, many of you would take exception to that. I know that personally, but that's my goal. I am to be conformed to the image of God's Son in all the good, in all the bad, in all the ugly, in all the Romans 8.28 that happens to me in my life. God is allowing that to happen to me so that I will grow in the grace and knowledge. If I never have any problems, I don't realize that I need grace. I need grace. I need God's unmerited favor in my life. So we're talking about 
transformation. That's what Romans chapter 6 is all about, transformation. That's what Romans chapter 12, I'm to present my body now, a living sacrifice. I am created in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 2, to be his workmanship. Now, what is the result of living by faith? Living by faith is living by the word of God. Being filled with the spirit is living by the word of God, allowing the word of God to fill me. Read the Word of God. You can't survive without the book. That's why these pastors and these leaders put such an emphasis on the Word of God. You think it's just a prop that they use in church on Sunday mornings. It is your lifeline to the spirit world. It is your lifeline to God, the Word of God. That's what it's all about. So now I get in God's word and I read with the intention of receiving and obeying by faith what I believe. By faith I receive it. And now by God's grace, I say, God, help me to live the life of Jesus out in my life. I want to live like Christ. I want Romans 8.28. I want Romans 8.29. I want Christ to be formed in me. I want to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I receive your grace and I do not resist. God overwhelms me with his grace and he fills me with his spirit, his grace, his word. And then what results from that is the right-hand column, love. Joy, peace, that comes, not from me. You don't know George. You don't want to know George. You want to know Jesus. You want to know Christ in me, the hope of glory. And when I allow Christ's life to live in and through me, what you get is Jesus. You get love. You say, Is that for you, George, so you can walk around and say, hey, folks, look at me. I have the fruit of the Spirit. Look how loving I am. Look how joyful I am. Look how peaceful I am. I had my coffee this morning. I'm just doing great. Look how gentle he is. How gentle I am. Hello, brother. How are you? How long-suffering I am. Sam, I need to be long-suffering with you. You, never mind. (laughs) All of that stuff. Faithfulness, faith, loyalty to people. Where does that come from? It comes from me. I know me. My wife knows me. She knows George. You want to know the resurrected Christ living in George Grace As the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit, flows through me. And Christ lives his life through me. And now I act towards you in a loving way. I am joyful. I have the joy of the Lord. I'm gentle. I'm meek. I'm long-suffering. I'm faithful. Why? Because of me? No, because of him. Because I'm allowing him to live his life through me. If you're trying to do it all on your own, you're going bust, my friend. You're going to become embittered against Christianity. You're going to get worn out. Oh, I got to go to church on Sunday again. You know, they'll be looking for me and somebody will call me at one o'clock this afternoon. Where were you? You weren't in church today. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, I didn't read my... Oh, somebody's going to ask me, did I read my Bible? I better... I'll read one verse. Let's see. Jesus wept. There. John eleven thirty five. 35. Somebody goes up. Did you read your Bible today? Oh, yeah, I read my Bible today. I got John eleven thirty five 35 down pat. I even memorized it. Because you're worried about somebody else. What somebody else might think. You're supposed to be concerned about what he thinks. What does he think? That's my second slide. Or third slide. This is my purpose. Let me get close so I can read it here. I don't know if you can read this, but I'll read it out loud. I wrote a purpose statement as I did this series for me. This is my purpose statement, and this is the crucified life 
in about 150 words. All right, ready. I live life for the express purpose of bringing glory to the Father's name and his kingdom. That's Matthew 6.33. As a disciple of Jesus, I humbly and obediently submit to the truth revealed by the Spirit that I am no longer my own. I have been bought with a price. I'm bought with a price. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. Therefore, I recognize that at every point in my life, money, family, vocation, church, friends, at every point in my life, Jesus' way intersects with every particular aspect of my life, my thoughts, my actions, and my words. As a devoted follower of Jesus. Every area of life must be dedicated to the mission of God to reach the world with the Spirit-empowered gospel. Thus, it naturally follows that the life I live is wholly a gospeled life. Holy, not just the plan of salvation in four verses. Full of God's heart for the world, characterized by forgiveness, motivated by self-sacrifice, proven through self-denial, intentional through missional living, and strengthened by hope, having then been renewed by the Holy Spirit. My life is to reflect the power or the authority of God through the gospel of Jesus in every area of my life. Not just going to church on Sunday morning for an hour and a half. Every area. This is what the Christian life is all about. It's not about an hour and a half a week. It's not about having a Bible reading program where you check the boxes and get through the Bible. Those are good things to do and we ought to do them. They naturally follow as good works as Christ works in and through us. Dake. Some of you have a Dake's Bible. If you don't have a Dake's Bible, look at one. You may want to buy one. It's just Now, he's got his uh, theology that I don't agree with, but there's a lot in a Dake's annotated Bible that you look at that and go, what? who did this? It's an incredible piece of work. This is what he said. This is the crucified life according to Dake. Begin, continue, and end every work, purpose, and plan with God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Self-sufficiency, Mark Trotter, and self-confidence have been the ruin of mankind. That's what he said last night. He'll mess you up when you try to do it. It's the ruin of man. It's for me. I serve God for me. I want people to know what I do. I want to get the credit. Ever since the fall, man's sin is to live. Man, this is what sin is all about living independently and without God in the world. And you know what? A lot of Christians live there because they only go to church on Sunday and that's all their Christian life is, is showing up to check a box. The other 166 and a half hours a week, they're living like anybody else does. You know anyone like that? You ever met any Christian like that? That just lives like they're lost? It'd be hard for you to tell except they showed up in church. Oh, they're a Christian because they showed up on Sunday morning. Are you sure? based on their church attendance, to live independently without God in the world. True religion consists of full acknowledgement of God in all human affairs. Your financial life, your family, your church life, your work life, your vocation, your recreational life, your physical fitness, your relationship with your own physical body, all of those. Now, they're not all equally as important. I understand that. How about your mind, your intellectual life? All of those things are be to, to be submitted to the authority of God. Now, this is the life wheel that I came up with. And you can see there's 10 different things. And what I did is I preached a sermon on each one of these and took Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, and the principle that I'm sharing with you now with every area of life. It touches every area of life. Again, I've said this three times already. I'll say it one more time, and I promise I won't say it again. I hope 
say it one more time, is we're not talking about checking boxes. We're not talking about showing up in church on Sunday morning. We're talking about allowing the word of God to permeate your soul and to permeate your life, to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God and allow the Spirit, the Spirit of Christ to live through you, to minister to others. And what comes out of you is the love of Christ, the joy of Christ, the peace of God comes out of you. Long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, faith, all of that. The meekness of Christ. Not you. We're not just trying to strengthen your joy and make you feel happier. That's not what this is all about. This is to allow the joy of Christ to live through you. Now, I'm not going to go through this. When I did this series, I answered the question, why am I doing this? And there's a lot of reasons and a lot of things that I wanted to accomplish. But before I close, and I will shortly, this is a great passage of Scripture. This is an Old Testament passage. You notice that Mark went to the Old Testament. God always wants us to be filled with pure motives, whether it's walking through the wilderness and taking 20 to 40 years to get where you're supposed to go as opposed to 11 days. By the way, when they got there, all of their problems were over, weren't they? <laughs> See, even when you get this, I hate to report to you that all of your problems are not over. This is a lifelong journey this is, I die daily. You'll never arrive here. Thank you, Brother Grace. I really appreciate that. Now I can go home. Where do I get my money back? You'll never arrive there. The Christian life is day by day. I'm renewed daily, day by day, chapter by chapter, verse by by verse, allowing God to work through my life so that Christ comes out to those that I live with. Now, the first point in this outline, verses 5 and 6 are two of my favorite verses. They say this. Listen now, Old Testament. Trust in the Lord. This is faith. Why would I trust in the Lord? I read God's word and my faith and my confidence in what he says grows. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thine own understanding. Watch it. In all thy ways. That's the crucified life. In all thy ways. Acknowledge him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. And the promise is, he will direct your paths. Do you want your will for your life? Or do you want God's will for your life? Are you willing to receive what God has for you here at this camp? Or did you just come in to kind of be with your friends, spend a few days, find some air conditioning, you don't have to cook, ladies. You kind of get out of the, you know, the responsibility of making meals for your family. Somebody can watch your kids you know, half the day, and you don't have to be bothered. That's what camp is all about. Well, I admit those are really good things. <laughs> they really are good things. But there's a lot more here than just that. You will get what you are willing to receive. And you can say, enough, no more. I don't need it. I'm not going to do it. I'm good enough where I am. I like living in the flesh. By the way, I'm doing pretty good at it. Pretty good at it. Let me close with these verses, all right? I want you to look with me in the Gospel of Matthew, and I'll be done. I don't know where I am time-wise, but I think I'm okay. Am I, Sam? I'm doing okay? Follow me. We'll take a little New Testament journey. It won't take long. Go to the book of Matthew. Matthew, chapter number 10. Jesus speaking. 
Jesus is, I hope he has some influence in your life. He has some influence around here. I say that sarcastically. Well, look at Matthew 10, 38 says, And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Now check that. What does that all mean? What does that mean? Do you want God's will for your life, or do you want your will for your life? If you want to keep your life, if you want to find out, my interpretation, what life is really all about, and if you want to live a satisfied and happy and blessed life, lose your life. Die every day. Die. Lose your life. And then you'll find it. Some of you in this room will live as a Christian 40 and 50 and 60 and more years as a Christian. And you'll never find it because you won't lose it. You won't put aside your agenda for life. You won't put aside feeding the flesh and what you want to do. You're going to do it your way and go to church on Sunday morning and you never realize your purpose in this life. Look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, that's what you want to do, right? Isn't that why you're here? Don't you want to come after him? Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life, you want to save your life? Lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake, ah, you're going to find out what life is all about. God created you for a purpose, and you'll find the most satisfying and purpose-filled life when you set your personal fleshly agenda aside and allow the Holy Spirit of God to minister in and through you and allow Christ to minister through you to other people. Look at Mark chapter 8, verse 34. It says, and when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. You hear that? Resist, resist, deny yourself. No, resist, resist. Is that what's going on in your mind? I'm not denying myself anything. Okay, that's your choice. You have a free will. It's dangerous. Decisions have consequences. Ask the Democratic Party right now. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. You want to know what life's all about? Give up your life. Allow Christ to live his life through you. Look at the gospel of Luke chapter 9. He said unto them all, 9.23, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily, daily, daily. I die daily and follow me for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. You start to get it? That's the fourth time he said it. Here's the fifth, Luke chapter 17. Hey, remember Lot's wife? 1732. Remembers Lot's wife? What happened to her? Didn't work out too good for her, did it? Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. And then John, lastly, in John chapter 12 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Remember the chart? This is what we're talking about. This is where we all are. If you're truly a born-again Christian, let's look at the list again. You were crucified with Christ. You died with Christ. Spiritually speaking, passages. You were born again. You know the date, the circumstances, the place. You were born. You were given spiritual life. You were given 
eternal life. Not just a duration, but a quality of life forever. And you are risen with Christ. You're crucified with him. You're buried with him. But you're risen with Christ. The risen Christ lives in you. And he wants to live his risen life through you. Death and sin have no more dominion over you. Of course, according to Romans chapter 6. What happens? We're in a place... All of us, if you're saved, we're being transformed. And the rate of your transformation is easy, is easily your choice, your free will. It's up to you. You want to be, resist, resist, not me. I don't want to do that. I ain't reading my Bible. I'm not going to the Bible Institute. I know too much already. I feel guilty all the time as a Christian. I don't want to know anymore. Resist, resist. No. Open up your arms and allow the grace of God, the Word of God, the Spirit of God to flow into your mind and into your heart and act upon your will and the life of Christ will be lived in you and through you and you will manifest the love of God and the joy of God and the peace of God, the fruit of of the Spirit. For by grace, Ephesians 2.10, 8 says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, so any man should boast. For we, Christians, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. I'm in Christ, crucified with Christ, unto good works. I allow the life of Christ to live through me to minister to people and manifest the love of God in a godless world. That's why we are here. That's the the mission and that's the message, to allow the love of God to live through us to other people. That's what attracts people, love. Father, we come to you this morning and thank you for the privilege and opportunity to be in your word this morning. Help us, help me. I know i got to die again i got to die today to myself, to my desires, to my flesh that wants to take over all the time and run things. Lord, help me to yield my members. Help me to submit myself unto Christ. Help me to recognize that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God the grace of God, the word of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All the people said, amen. Amen. God bless. Okay, good, good morning so far. It's about time to finish processing that coffee and so we're going to take a five minute break and then we're going to you'll start hearing some music and then we're going to come right back in and and get back to work amen Uh, take a break